Paramount presents. Ebony, Ivory, Mission Girls. They accept all my imperfections. Sorry for the disconnection. But here's all the missing sections. You know Mega Brand came equipped with weapons. I don't mean Smith and Wesson's, but the gun smoke will choke ya. We do it for the culture. Knights of the round controllers up in holsters. It's a beautiful world. I'm smelling everything. Take flight and soar on legendary wings. No swag of a Mike Hagger. Wrestler turned mega, turned teacher, turned rapper with mad gear. Leveled up from last year. Trust me, it's Dynamite from the third strike, the final fight. It's all gonna stay locked in since 83, way past 2010. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap County City Podcast. It's all gonna stay locked in since 83, past 2K10. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap County City Podcast. Welcome to episode 24 of the Capcom Unity official podcast. I am Greg Aman, and I'm joined once again by this guy. This guy. I am Yuri, this guy, Araujo. Uh, so, the, and all we got is the two of us today, but uh, there's but lots... that's all we need. That's all we need. In <laughs> fact, good riddance to all the others. <laughs> uh, it's a big week for us, uh, and I guess in particular for me, one of my favorite games uh, ever... Has released, and I had the privilege of working on that. We'll get to that in a minute, though. First news. Let's talk about what's new over the last two weeks. So Resident Uh Evil Revelations 2, still in the middle of its episodic campaign, uh, has had its its subsequent episodes 2 and 3 come out. 4 is coming next uh, Tuesday. And uh, Provided you're listening to this as it came out on Friday, are we still going with this joke? Oh, uh, right. This last episode. I mean, it's not just a joke. It's pretty true. Okay. Um, we'll mention an episode from every episode from now on. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. There were a few kinks uh, at the beginning uh, when we first started bringing the game out, but uh, those have mostly been ironed out. There's still... You might be encountering some issues. We're still looking into what else is out there. Uh, but we are being as diligent as possible in uh, listening to your feedback and seeing what we can do to help. Uh, meanwhile, on a related note, uh, if you bought the game on PC and were disappointed that it did not have the split-screen co-op feature uh, that was there in the other versions, that has been made available sort of via a beta branch. You can play the game in split screen. <laughs> you can play the game in split-screen co-op, but it is a it's a it's a beta branch, so maybe a little unpolished, but. It's pretty fast work. It's better than uh, doing nothing. Hope you like it. Uh, those of you who play split-screen co-op on your PC. Um, Dead Rising Watchtower comes to Crackle March 27th, and there's a new trailer out. If you don't know what that is, uh, that's the Dead Rising live-action film starting as a Crackle exclusive, although they did just announce that if you have an Xbox uh, One, you can actually get a, an early look at the movie. Oh, so nice. Check that out today. Um, so, uh, what, what's the name, the main character that is uh, pretty famous? Uh, not the main character, the main, the lead actor. So, Rob Riggle uh, yeah. is playing Frank West. He is, I don't think he's the main character in this. Oh, I think he's, yeah. He's, a, he's sort of a bit part, but he does play Frank West, who uh, I, don't, I don't think they could have found a better actor for the part. And, you know, he's a pretty big name actor, and this is obviously 
you know, not not shot on a huge budget, so it's pretty impressive that they got him. He's right, he's a, right. He's a big name actor. Uh, he's literally covered wars before. He looks <laughs> the part. He sounds like Frank West. Uh, it's it's terrific. It's great yeah. to see something like this come alive. It's great to see uh, a, a film adaptation of a game made by people that clearly are fans of the game. Uh, yeah, so we hope that fans of the game like the film. Yeah, it's a similar case with that uh, Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. I mean, all those guys were super fans yeah, of Street Fighter. Yeah, totally. So I think we're seeing a new wave, uh, you know, in that regard. Or the, we're, it's kind of like what happened with comics. You know, it's happening right, now right, right. with uh, games where uh, you're finally getting people who get it uh, at the helm. So good. Hope to see more of those. And then PAX East happened. Why don't you tell us about PAX East theory? So, so that didn't go. Pa- uh, Pax East was, went excellent. Uh, we missed you there, Greg. I missed the, Bo- I missed Boston. The snow, a, the what? Literal f- seven feet of snow missed you. Oh my god! <laughs> was it no, really it was, snowy? No, when like, I when I got there, it, w- it had stopped snowing already. But the piles of snow were really high. It wow! Was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, the the show itself was uh, a huge success. We had uh, first time ever. A live rendition of the Monster Hunter Caravan. So we kicked off hmm. our Monster Hunter Caravan tour. Uh, so it's going to make a couple of stops. Uh, that was not the last. Uh, that was not the last time you saw you've. S- that was not the last time you're going to see that caravan set up. Uh, and actually, <laughs> for those of you that made it to the show, you might have noticed the thing actually has a license plate in it. So at the end of the show, we just pack everything up and drive the thing to wow. another show. Can you say and where you're going? Yeah, and we just announced the next stop, which will be in uh, the great, the greater uh, Phoenix area. So it's a n- town over called Mesa. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be there this Saturday. So the day after the podcast comes out, if you're listening to this in the future, never mind. <laughs> but uh, but there will be more stops, too. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, right now we're uh, heading towards Phoenix. Um Details on the Capcom Unity blog. There's a full address, Google Maps there, um, etc. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We had uh, not only demo stations for new players, but we also had these tents with power strips. So if you already have the game, you wanted to meet up with new local hunters, that was the perfect spot. And uh, we had some folks from uh, Monster Hunter NYC. They came up and uh, they, they were you know sharing the news about their group and meeting up new players at, and, and all that. Um, but if you actually go into the main uh, caravan, like the main wagon, uh, there was a huge... Uh, well, actually, you know, it seemed big for, for the for the space there. Uh, it was a store, you know? It was, like, very cozy. You know, everything was themed. Hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff, you know... There were uh, about 10 or so items for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 or so different items. Right, but you know, all across the place, like we had the insect glaive prop that we saw at E3. We had like little jars of little things with like labels from from uh, you know referencing items in the game. Mm. Like there's a jar from uh, with uh, slag toth oil, yeah, <laughs> things like that. And all the things like adamant seeds and, and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, I particularly like the uh, Rathalos T-shirt that they had. It's mm-hmm. a very simple design, but I think it's it's quite a strong uh, icon. So. Uh, that was very good. We were also selling for the first time Devil Joe pickles. 
<laughs> oh man, Monster Hunter fans will get the joke. Are they? Wait, are these? What are these? Are they actual pickles? It's a jar of uh, pickles. Oh man! <laughs> but the whole label and everything—that's that's what makes it special, you no, know. That's pretty cool. And uh, moss wine jerky, also <laughs> a Monster Hunter Four U uh, reference there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall it was it was a very uh, uh, it was a themed uh, attraction there, mm-hmm. and it was I think it was very well done. Uh, that was actually the first time I saw it. I didn't get to see um, much of the pr- in-progress uh, shots of it. But, um, yeah, I, oh, I had only seen some concept art, and I was excited from the get-go. And it was super exciting to see it in person. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was incredible. There's something about uh, Monster Hunter where it's, like, they just get really into, like, doing these sort of themed events or, like, you know, imitating the stuff in the game. Like, not often you see something like the caravan where you've like gone to these extremely great lengths just to like <laughs> stay in line with the themes of the game, <laughs> you know, like actually yeah. driving a caravan around the entire country. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was one of the main uh, things. There is like we we want to have this connection with the real mm-hmm. uh, with the game itself, you know, and I think that's part of what makes it special. Wonder what um, we could do for DMC like that, just like. Do some combos on somebody, <laughs> like find a scarecrow and <laughs> do some spin moves. Uh, maybe. <laughs> hey, we're we're onto something. Man, uh, that should be. That's got to be a, like a, a some kind of sport that exists. What? Some sort of uh, like stylish action in real life. They've got freestyle walking. Surely there's freestyle. What the hell's freestyle walking? It's like. <laughs> I still don't know. I first heard the term about ten years ago, and I—I'm sure at least half our listeners, I think you listeners just, won't know. You just like walk and d- do tricks while you're walking. Do you mean free runs? Uh, like might parkour. Be, well, I think it may have evolved into parkour, but free like look up freestyle walking. I think all I you need to do is is like parkour with a sword. That's how you get parkour. Mm, that works. No, nope. trust me, guys. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. Greg approves it. It's fine. As the new <laughs> brand manager. <laughs> yes. Uh, on a, on related to Monster Hunter, the first batch of free Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate DLC, DL free, if you will, uh, is out, and that includes downloadable one, content. <laughs> yes. And that includes not one, not two, but fourteen friggin' new quests, eleven new weapons, including both of the weapon design contest winners, which were very cool. Wait, don't don't tell me the clockwork. Thingy, it's just called Clockwork. Clockwork and the Liege's pet. Uh, Emperor's Emperor's speech. speech. I was very, <laughs> I was so close. Uh, which has a little poogie inside it. Uh, on top. Of on top of it. It's a hunting horn with a. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Again, so, pictures show this way better. So yes, <laughs> but that's so. Fourteen new quests, eleven new weapons. Uh, four complete armor sets, or eight if you count uh, Gunner and uh, Swordmaster se- or Blademaster separately. Uh, some Palico gear and a whole bunch of more, a whole bunch more, all for free. Yeah. So that is, that don't, is quite an offer. Don't say we never did anything for free. In yeah. fact, every time I see a comment where someone's like, "Capcom free? I must be dreaming." <laughs> I screen grab it because we do it a lot. Actually, we give stuff away for free a lot. And one day I'm going to have a collage of people. Thinking they're zinging us, yeah, yeah, yeah. When in fact, each time they're zinging us, it's for a different free thing that we've given them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you download that, uh, and we can look forward to more, right, Yuri? 
Uh, more what? Free LC. <laughs> right. You just changed it. I did. <laughs> D free C. Free L free. Yes. Is there going to be more, or do we not know yet? <laughs> yes, uh, of course. So the schedule, uh, as it stands now, it is. This is going to go on for several months, actually. Yes. Um, and first Friday of every month. And every one of those months. Fridays, someone's going to be like, Capcom? Free? free? Exactly. But it's going to be substantial content like this. Uh, I think I've secured a similar amount of quests for every month from mm-hmm. now until whatever several months means. Mm-hmm. But we're not announcing when it ends. Hopefully never, but... Uh, all good things must come to. That mm. does, that's not the point here. The point is, every <laughs> first Friday of every month for a while, tons of new quests, equipment, and fun. Awesome. <laughs> the fun is also free, yes. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, why is there even an expectation that companies would be giving you stuff for free? Like, like Capcom's just been out of the loop, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that you're getting free stuff that costs money to make. Yeah. I know. Uh, most of their, well, well not, most people would would be charging for mm-hmm. anything. I mean, there's at all. a lot of gear. It's just, uh, I mean, I think you had to build up to get to a point where you could do something like this. Right, right. Uh, and we've arrived. <laughs> so thank you guys for supporting Monster Hunter. And I think uh, for for a little while we're gonna have some really really great stuff there. I think the highlight on this pack was the Legend of Zelda collaboration gear. So you get to dress up as Link. Um, or Zelda, if you're misinformed. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> the joke there is that a lot of people refer to Link as Zelda because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and <Okay>. the, <laughs> the Master Sword and the bow. Uh, uh, what is it called in the game? Something. It's, it's a bow and arrow. Yes. It's the hero's bow, which then you upgrade. To Link's bow. Link's bow. <laughs> yes. Uh, in other news, uh, we've recently been trying to launch a new experimental video feature that would be recurring uh, called Capcom Recap, uh, but we need your help to get it off the ground. Basically, it, it's going to be something kind of akin to the, the highlight reel you may have seen on Kotaku uh, or sports highlight reels, which have existed for decades. Um, or America's Funniest Videos. Yes, <laughs> America's Funniest Home Videos, a lot like that. Uh, we do not offer $10,000 oh. per show, though. Uh, we really can't offer anything other than a, a nod. But uh, we have uh, – but basically, we, we want you guys to submit your awesome video highlights. You know, we're in an age now where with the new consoles, you can capture gameplay footage really easily. Uh, or some people can just capture stuff from old games. You know, we won't uh, oh, yes. discriminate older new games. We just want to see – what are people doing with Capcom games and highlight the crazy stuff? Uh, so if you have a video of yourself doing something crazy or really cool or something funny happens in the game, like you trigger a weird bug, uh, <laughs> it's all good. We just want, we, or if you just have a video that's really informative, like you made, some, like uh, those, uh, you know, weapon tutorials that Gaijin Hunter does. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. All that's good. We're gonna do. A, uh, we want it to be bi-weekly. It's gonna be. Uh, basically just collection of these highlight videos as well as a recap of uh, recent news uh, regarding Capcom stuff. Are you so, excited for all the sensational DMC videos? I, I super am, yes. <laughs> and I'm kind of dreading <laughs> kind of dreading sifting through the scrubby <laughs> ones. But, uh, I think it'll be good for the game. Um, so oh, if you do have something, you'll want to email us a video link uh, at, ca- uh, I'm sorry, recap. That's R-E-C-A-P 
at Capcom.com. Recap at Capcom.com. Uh, just make sure you include the URL, uh, your name, or whatever you want us to call you, as long as it's not profane, uh, and a description of why the video is remarkable, like what part you want to focus on, and any timestamps that you think would help. Yeah, don't send us a 20-minute video. Yeah, and, be like, oh, I did like, an awesome spin move here. It's yeah. Like, where? Yeah, where? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you, you can send a 20 minute video, but tell us that at three Just, minutes and 58 yeah, seconds, exactly. you did something really awesome. Precisely. The major piece of news this week is DMC, Devil May Cry Definitive Edition, is out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, that came out alongside a very cool new launch trailer featuring mm-hmm. uh, licensed music. <laughs> I think it was such a cool uh, song choice, you know? Like, what happened was uh, the, guy, the, the product manager, the marketing guy for the game... You know he's he's a kind of a, a music aficionado. He okay. likes to he likes to use licensed music a lot uh, in his trailers. Like you may have seen his uh, Dead Rising three PC trailers, which both uh, featured licensed hip hop music. Oh right, right. Uh, and he kind of did the same thing here, where he he looked for a song that he thought had some lyrical rel- relevance and that uh, had a certain mood that he was going for. He was going for something with a bit more of a sort of grave emotional impact because every other video we've shown for this game has been all about gameplay, gameplay, gameplay. Um, and we hadn't really show, like highlighted the story at all. So for the launch trailer, uh, we had a bit more of a, an emotional uh, tone to it. And we used the song Cry Little Sister, which is from the Lost Boys soundtrack. <laughs> it's certainly not uh, you know front of mind for most people. Since it's a pretty old song. But uh, you know, there's the obvious cry... Uh, connection, which act maybe maybe not obvious. I didn't notice that for a long time. Oh, Devil but, uh, May Cry. Yes, man, and, I just then, got it now. Yeah, and, but uh, that was I think where the conversation started, and then uh, he kind of discovered that there was some relevance here and there throughout the lyrics. Uh, I would have gone with, and it just had the right, cry. you know, atmosphere that he was going for. Uh, and we were a little nervous at first because you think Lost Boys, you think Dreamy Vampires, you might think Twilight, and <laughs> this game already has more unfair Twilight comparisons than it needs. Uh, unfair, <laughs> uh, but it was super well received. Yeah, and uh, we're really glad about that. Um, See, I didn't know about Lost Boys at all, and now that you make the cry reference there, yeah, for our younger listeners, that's a that's like a late '80s vampire movie with. Uh, like an all dream boat, all dream boat heartthrob cast. It had both Corys in it. <laughs> both Corys. Both Corys. Uh, is, is that a person's name? You're, yeah, there were two Corys in the. Okay, if you <laughs> again for our younger listeners in the eighties, there were these, there were these two guys <laughs> named Corey, both of whom were teen heartthrobs, uh, and they were each, I think, combined. They were in every movie that came out over. Hmm. A period of the 80s. And then wow. occasionally uh, they would both appear in the same movie. And that's when you knew you were in hardcore Corey territory. Let's call it <laughs> that. Anyway, 
<laughs> so uh, also alongside uh, the the trailer and of course the game was a change log. It's a more detailed uh, list of changes Ninja Theory made to the game uh, to to make it better. Mm-hmm. And you can find that on the Capcom Unity blog. There's a uh, download link. It's a PDF. Uh, and it's several pages long. I think it's like 12 pages long. Oh, man. I, so, I need to go through that because I just got my It's copy really cool. So, like some I of the know what's new. Really granular detail yeah. they included. Um, and it just uh, it's pretty cool seeing the level of uh, focus they had with this definitive edition. Like they really – I mean it's stuff that they could have not done and like no one would have even noticed. Right. You know? But uh, they really, really wanted to make the game the definitive version and make it as good as possible. Um, so they did. That's that's great to hear. And uh, actually, there's actually there's one of the things that uh, I think didn't make the change log for whatever reason is they made a couple edits to the um, some of the cutscenes in the game. I think there's like three uh, cutscenes that have changed. Um, huh. Go ahead and address this right now, <laughs> because I've seen some really, really dumb things come up online uh, that I think need to be addressed. So, what you what you get is uh, there's an extended scene that gives a little more context, and that's that's uh, kind of toward the climax of the game, a little before. Um, and then uh, there's one scene. the The ending actually has been extended to have something a little goofy, like a goofy little joke at the end. And then there's one more scene, uh, the intro scene, actually, where one line of dialogue was cut. One line of dialogue um, was cut, and they had a statement on that because a news outlet picked it up um, (laughs) with kind of a provocative headline. What was the Um, word they used? Slander? Scandal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, so I think they were saying that uh, they, they framed it as though all of the sexually suggestive dialogue in the game had been cut because it was sexually su- suggestive. What actually happened was one line of dialogue was cut uh, <coughs> reportedly for um, for pacing because they didn't they, they thought the scene dragged a little bit and they and just purely because they didn't really like the line that much. So they're like, mm. we could make this drag a little less if we cut this line we don't like. Uh, it happened. Don't miss anything from the. Whole story. Right, it had no bearing on the story. Uh, it happened to be a sexu- sexually <laughs> suggestive line, but that was not the reasoning for the cut, as evidenced by the fact that every other suggestive line in the game has been kept intact, including the on-screen sex scene <laughs> and the new ending. Uh, <laughs> right. So I just want to allay your fears if you're worried about it being a censor- censorship thing. Uh, that's not really uh, the case. It's it's a director's cut type decision. Uh, I saw one commenter even say, "I don't like my cutscenes edited." It's like, but that's that's how all yeah things are made. Right. You don't. I mean, don't some exactly some stuff is left on the cutting floor. I mean, a right. perfect example is the extended version of the scene that's been added back and the extended version of the ending, which has been added back. These were things that were edited out previously and then added back in. This is a basic truth about all media is that it's a process of creation and trimming down and and honing. Uh, So I just thought I needed to get that off my chest. (laughs) I mean, it's literally labeled cut scene. Yeah. (laughs) It's been cut. That's a very good point. (laughs) Yeah. So you will not ever find a game that has had no editing 
uh, or movie <laughs> or, or TV video, show or, or song or book or uh, even like the, the, when people speak, they actually edit their thoughts before they speak normally. Normally, uh, yeah. Unless they're uh, podcasts. Uh, Greg, unless, can, can you make <laughs> it unless so they're that commenting on YouTube or Facebook? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the no censorship on it. Can you make it so that you edit yourself in a, a separate comment about the podcast? Into the podcast. I intend to edit this podcast heavily. Yeah, there you uh, go. In fact, uh, I don't want to shock you guys, but these get edited quite a bit. So just some things about the game that I think are cool or uh, just not said enough, and they deserve mm-hmm. being restated. I, th- I guess to start, I think uh, it bears emphasizing that uh, th- this was a an East-West collaboration. And this is something I think a lot of uh, Japanese publishers have been exper- experimenting with for the last, like, well, the last gaming generation, you could say. Right, you right. Know? We've seen it a lot. Capcom has tried it many times. Uh, It's a hard thing to do because I think, as we kind of uh, brought up in the community question last week, um, there are some fundamental philosophical differences in in how games are created in Japan versus uh, in the West, and in particular in America. So uh, they they can often seem perfectly at odds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a hard thing to nail. I think... uh, we and many other publishers have had their share of, uh, you know, not so successful attempts, um, which is all part of the learning process. I think uh, with DMC, though, they, they were very good at figuring out um, where you incorporate each of those philosophies to get the best possible product, you know. And uh, in particular, I think it bears repeating that uh, the combat design uh and not just the combat design, but the whole you know creative direction of the project um, had oversight from the series director Hideaki Itsuno. He directed uh, two, three, and four, hmm. and uh, you know he he's got an incredible uh, resume of action titles. He did CVS two, he did uh, at least one of the Rival Schools games. Uh, of course, these uh, Devil May Cry games basically reinvented action. And uh, that's not, I mean, that's just not to be understated. He was going to Ninja Theory's office every single month. Right, right. And giving them invaluable wisdom and uh, knowledge on how to make combat that feels yeah. good. And well, and I think the, the most valuable piece in his resume, just as an outsider, really, uh, is bouncing back from Devil May Cry 2 to Devil May Cry 3. Yeah. Like just that, like, that speaks uh, tremendous. You know, what? <laughs> uh, good <laughs> feelings. Good feelings of confidence. Yeah, I know. He's. Yeah. A, I mean, he's just a mastermind, and uh, it's. You know, wasn't he, he on Dragon's Dogma as well? Yeah, he directed Dragon's Dogma as well. It's just that you often see in comments people act as though Ninja Theory, like, how dare they take this this game and make it 
You know, it's <laughs> like, no, this was, it's not like they stole the game from Capcom. This was a right, collaborative right. process uh, and, and a very healthy and inspiring one in my mind because, mm-hmm. like I said, it, it's a pretty rare thing for East and West to come together well. This was not made in a vacuum. Uh, it was advised by the mastermind of the series that we all right. love in the first place, including Ninja Theory themselves. You know, yeah, it's no yeah. secret that this was made by fans to begin with. Number two, uh, sort of on a related note, um, something that I feel like I see a lot of is uh, people claiming that uh, the combat in DMC seems like it's been uh, you know, sort of simplified or watered down, or uh, people will use the word casual like it's a profanity. Oh, right. That's, uh, first of all, don't get me started on that, <laughs> but... Um, because just because a game or any other thing for that matter has a has a lower entry point does not mean it has a lower ceiling right and uh the the analogy I always use is uh musical instruments mm. if you look at something like a violin it's uh pretty oh, hard yeah. just to produce a sound on a violin that's the entry point is just making a sound on it yeah you have to make sure you press the, the string at the right spot and the neck and then you have to make sure that the bow strikes it the right yeah, way you have to make sure the bow has the the, the rosin on it and yeah. all, all this stuff just so to get a sound work. you know or like with guitar you have to have you have to build calluses on your fingers yep. just to play the thing and then you can begin you know right. but but by the time you've gotten that far you know 30 percent of the potential guitar playing audience has dropped off <laughs> uh if you compare it to it something like it, yeah. Um, if you compare it to something like a piano, where to make a sound you just have to push a key, um, that's it. Uh, I think that's uh, basically the philosophy in play: is that uh, the entry point should be lower uh, to encourage people to stick with it. I'm not saying that's why they devised the piano that way, but that is in fact uh, the case with the piano, and I think that's why, or that's one reason that the piano is such a popular instrument. Is and that the entry point is so low. And as we all know, the piano can produce just as many sounds. Yeah, that doesn't mean there's a lower ceiling for a piano. It's not like it's a, a casual, <laughs> <laughs> it's a filthy casual instrument. <laughs> and anyone who said that would be laughed out of the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a different philosophy. Beethoven, filthy casual. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what you get with DMC. And, uh, the people that think of it as a casual game, I just think they haven't witnessed the the high level right. play, and uh, that's a shame because it's really, really astounding, and inspiring. If you and I, I can't recommend these guys enough. I talk about them all the time now. But Michelle Gun Two Hundred One, Kilske, this uh, guy GSHH, they all have crazy names. But uh, <laughs> I mean, and there's there's just scene in Japan. Uh, where ironically this game is not coming out, but it's just they're on a different level. Yeah, and I really recommend checking out their videos and studying them. These guys are super informative. They make info videos that uh, 
they do their best to translate by themselves into English, and I don't think any of them are particularly proficient, but they <laughs> they do it anyway. Oh, but then we also the have our, our local guys here with Sam D. And we do, yeah, yeah, and we have incredible local players. Sam D. We actually worked with here. Um, there is a scene of really high level play, and and you're seeing them really crack open the game, yeah, and and go beyond the mechanics that the game teaches you. Right, and I right. think that's key. That's the, that's the over. That's one of the overarching philosophies of the whole series is that you've got the game that the game teaches you, and then you've got the so game. much beyond that. <laughs> yeah, you've got the mad scientist stuff. You know, yeah. and it's it's like it is like mad science, counting frames and whatever. Yeah, just yeah. like you know the the philosophy that there will be bugs and some of the bugs will make the game better. Right, you know? right. They say jump canceling itself began that way. So did comboing in Street Fighter. So did uh, juggling enemies with your bullets, which is like the whole, <laughs> you know, launch pad for Devil May Cry. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this though, uh, it like if you if you want to watch these uh, these combo videos and appreciate them to to their fullest, you have to have at least a little bit of understanding of what the game. Uh, what the game offers, how it feels, and what it's supposed to do. Because, like you're saying, a lot of these things are technically borderline breaking the game to make Mm -hmm. it work in your favor or in favor of making a stylish video. So, uh, the same way that, you know, you you may hear something in the piano, something being played on the piano, and you might think that, oh, that's that's easy. You Mm -hmm. just have to make sure that your left hand plays this rhythm <laughs> and your right hand plays that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it, in practice, it's, it's almost impossible. That's you what, know? well, yeah, it's like the, <laughs> everything's easy when you've practiced it to the point that you can do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the universe is. Uh, but, um, but I think <clears throat> understanding what each combo does, uh, to me at least, is like, yeah. oh no, I, I know that's supposed to drop you to the ground immediately, but he's jump canceling in the three frames that he's got left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is uh, a level of, uh, like, you get to a point where the play is so high level that if you don't know how the game works, then you won't even get why it's so good. Right. You right. won't get what you're seeing. Like, no, like, that, he's not supposed to be able to do that, but somehow he found a way <laughs> to do that, and he found a way to do it every time. Right. So. Uh, so watch good videos. But also play the game. <laughs> also play the game. So another thing that we've heard a lot of is a request for a PC version. And... Uh, I certainly understand why, you know. I think uh a lot of act a lot of the community's activity with DMC has come out of the PC crowd. Um and including a lot of the features that they decided to implement with Definitive Edition. A lot of those were things that uh players had implemented into the PC version to begin with as mods. Uh and in a in a way you could say that Definitive Edition uh started as an attempt to bring the console game closer to the PC version. Uh, obviously, they've added some new features that are not uh, available even as mods in the PC version, which is why people are asking for it. Um, and, you know, it it is kind of a bummer that uh, we didn't have that to begin with. I think uh, if on our side, if you think about it as, is this a viable product or 
is this just, are we trying to sell something that people basically already have? Mm -hmm. Um, it just, you just fall into kind of a gray area, but, uh, we did have the producer Ray, uh, on our launch day stream and, uh, he did, uh, have a comment on the possibility of a PC version somewhere down the line, which I will play now. I'll, I'll be frank with you on this, is that, you know, uh, the, the PC version performs very well. And uh, the, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, the, a lot of some of the features that we had uh, put into the game, you know, you, you, you are able to do via PC mods. It's, it just becomes one of those things like, do we think enough people request this or really want this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of the, kind of the opportunity to use your, your feedback loop to us on Unity to kind of let us know, hey, this is something that we do want and this would be a good thing to happen, or that, that would happen. So, you know, it's that basically it comes down to a possibly, but they are thinking about it, and feedback helps. I've already been reporting that you guys are asking for this, but keep asking for it if you still want it, uh, and I'll keep quoting you. <laughs> Please try not to use profanity. I had to tell someone this on Twitter. We can't quote you if you use profanity. This is a professional setting. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to put a little spotlight on is the must style mode, which is one of the new features in Definitive Edition. Uh, this gets, uh, I think, a little overlooked. In fact, I saw one review uh, in particular where uh, one of their takeaways of the review was uh, Definitive Edition doesn't really add a whole lot, but then they left off all, the, all these features. <laughs> and one of them that they left off was must style mode, and I was like, I don't think the message got through to them, but must style mode is is super significant, and it's yeah. is deceptively so. I think at first it just seems like another way to make the game harder, you know. And a lot of these features at first glance, like okay, this, there's like five different ways that you made the game harder. We get it, but it's it's more than that. Must style mode, uh, it, it's not a difficulty mode. It's a modifier. It's a checkbox that you can stack with other uh, features in the game makes it so uh, you have to achieve an S rank in combat before you start doing any damage. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, it makes the game harder in that enemies have to be hit more to, uh, to damage them. But uh, it's also, uh, in certain ways, it can, it can serve as a, as, as a sort of real scenario practice arena, you know? Like, if right, you just right. go to an area with, like, a bunch of, like, crappy enemies... Um, that normally die in like a couple hits when you're fully powered up. Uh, because of the must style modifier, you can turn fights with those enemies into like, you know, substantial, satisfying showdowns uh, where you have to. I mean, the idea is that you must style, right? So even with these crappy enemies, you're. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say crappy, but you know what I mean. Like weak yeah, enemies. Yeah, yeah. Even with these weak enemies, you're guaranteed to, to do something kind of cool at least. Uh, because you have to build all the way up to S. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that and that just changes the dynamic in some cases. Like there's those little flying dudes, the bathos, I guess you call them. Yeah. Uh, which normally can be ta taken out with one good hit of a demon weapon, um, but if uh, if you have must style on, then they become things that you have to continually combo in the air because they they don't come down you know right, and then right you have to right. so something that was super grounded. easy becomes super uh i won't say super hard but it, you have to approach it in a completely different way yeah yeah 
And then there's, uh, you know, there's other things that you you might not have thought of at first, like if you stack it with heaven, uh, like if you stack it with heaven or hell mode, uh, you can actually turn it into like this sort of frantic uh, like meta game where so heaven or hell mode, if you don't know, uh, makes it so uh, everyone dies in one hit, including Dante. Uh, oh, which, right, right. which on its own completely changes the game. It almost kind of turns it into like a contra game where you you just like <laughs> shoot everything to death and dodging. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you have that with must style mode, then the enemies are not just one hit. Dante's still one hit, but you have to get an S rank. But as soon as you have an S rank, it becomes like so, frantic kill everyone. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you have to like use all your weapons and do stylish combos. And then once you hit S. You have like a very small window of time <laughs> to shoot everything in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's such a fun way to play the game. What was that one with the with that? Uh, was that a Shinobi game that had a, a thing where you kill where you bounce between enemies as you kill them? Uh, like how do you mean? At, when you do like the killing blow, we had a second to connect to the next killing. Oh enemy. yeah, yeah. That's the the PS2 Shinobi <laughs> game. You had to you had to kill a bunch of enemies within a. A short window of time. So kind of like that now. <laughs> it's kind of like that, yeah. So definitely experiment with must style mode. I think you'll find uh, it's a more versatile feature than uh, it may seem at first. Another thing I want to stress is uh, customizing your controls. The game is super flexible, uh, and this is this was true in vanilla as well, but you can pretty much fully customize your button layout, um, which is something maybe y you wouldn't think to do, to bother with, because obviously the default setup is how the game was designed. Pretty good, yeah. But uh, you can do a lot um, by customizing your, your, your layout. I think you can, uh, you'll find that different... Uh, button layouts play to different playing styles, you know. Um, what I now use, and I learned this from Sam D, is you put shoot on R1, and then you put uh, attack right next to jump Okay. for jump canceling. Much It makes it much more comfortable for jump canceling because <laughs> you can sort of uh, Mega Man the buttons, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you sort of piano them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then having shoot on R1 means that it's really easy to hold the charge shot while you're doing other stuff. Right, And you right. can buffer those charge shots while you're jump canceling. So you can do, you know, jump, attack, and shoot all with a very comfortable <laughs> So motion. much stuff that uh, people will not understand unless they play the game. But, yeah. Which just... You know, brings up the point again. Like you have to play this game. Play the game. It's good. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. I was one time. I think uh, yeah, this was the vanilla DMC Devil May Cry. Uh, I was playing around with the idea of having the attack buttons be on the uh, shoulder buttons. So oh they yeah. Have, so you have uh, the standard attack be R2. In mm -hmm. my case, I was playing on the PS3 version. And the launcher be L2. And the reason for that was exactly the jump canceling. I wanted them to be huh. independent fingers. That is another way you could do that, yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted them to be independent fingers so that I wouldn't have to do this piano thing. I wouldn't have my hands on them at all times. Huh. Uh, and the setup was kind of similar to, well, it was kind of inspired by uh, what you would see at stuff, you know, games like Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, where the attack buttons are 
the shoulder huh. uh, and trigger. So how would you do uh, the the demon and angel modes? That's where I got a little stuck. You know what you could do? Yeah, I I tried doing square for uh, angel and circle for demon. But Ooh. I was gonna say you could do uh, L one R one and then map dodge to L three. That would be impossible. Why? I don't know. I think <laughs> you could do it. You know how you dodge roll in Lost Planet? Yeah. L three and X. It'll be the same. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. It'll be the same. That's thing. a that's a tall order. Oh, I thought order. I thought R three. No, okay. L three is totally doable. Yeah, yeah. Because you have your hand on it. Yeah. Try it out, guys. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know people's uh, controller layouts. Control setup. Yeah. I'd make that the community question, but I feel like most people are just going to say default. Standard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Community question uh, two. Optional community question. There you go. Yeah. Optional community question. What's your button layout for DMC? <laughs> um, Who knows? There might be a blog in there, Greg. You're mm-hmm. like top five. Controller layouts for DMC. <laughs> With, like, playstyle names attached to them. Uh, so, oh, man, I do want to name them. Yeah. I know uh, there's another game that did that recently was uh, Freedom Wars on oh, yeah. uh, Vita. Like, they had uh, um, the gunner layout, which, you know, had the buttons geared for that. It had the sprinter or runner. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, come to think of it, I think Peace Walker did that back in the day, too. They oh, had, okay, uh, okay. And here's my bone to pick is guys, what do you mean when you say emo? <laughs> Because uh, it was around the time that DMC 1 or 2 came out that I first started hearing the term emo all the time. <laughs> and and even back then, I was like, okay, it, like the word hipster now, oh, okay. it seems to have no clear meaning. People just use it when they don't like a thing or it seems foreign to them in and. It just seems like one of those words people use to, you know, like yeah. to, to trigger a response. Yeah. But, uh, like... The irony of that word in particular <laughs> coming up now. Did you, did you have a page open with the uh, Wikipedia entry or something like that? I mean, I can oh, think man. of emo referencing what emotional. It's emo. Well, the, but the ser- all all artwork is emotional. <laughs> all media is emotional. <laughs> so I'm just saying, in the early 2000s, when I first started hearing people abuse this word constantly, it referred to a look where you had like a swoop of like. Hair. Swoop of hair covering like half your face, you know, and maybe piercings, and uh, just looking very pouty. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't. Everything was sort of. Uh, I'm just wondering like why you would apply that term to this game. And and here's the other thing, is that I still think there's a lot of people that criticize the look, uh, but the look that they're criticizing is the defunct 2010. <laughs> tentative look that was shown oh in a for trailer, that reveal concept trailer uh, yeah. which was heavily modified to the character we now have people will post you know images of that design and be like you made him look all emo it's like well I don't think they were going for an emo aesthetic whatever that is <laughs> but uh, that's a concept design and did not make it to the game that's not a final product 
All right, all right, all right. Community question. So last week we asked you, what do you think are the defining or just common characteristics of Japanese games? Uh, we had a couple very nice answers. Kionic uh, gave a long, very thought-out answer. Uh, a few things that occurred to this person. More character-driven, whereas Western games uh, more just like to sort of fill, like put you in the trousers, as he says, uh, of a general protagonist. I don't know. Do you do you agree with that, Yuri? Do you think they put more emphasis on character in Japanese games? Uh, in general, yes. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think there's already a preset character for most of them. They, they they go for the iconic look, and you can see that character. You can recognize it from a distance. Whereas, uh. like, Western games, it's like... The whole idea of a first-person game mm-hmm. is to fulfill that. It's, it's for the mechanics to tie into the narrative of you are that character. I know I'm not mm. Sonic. I know I'm not Mario, and I know I'm not Cloud. Interesting. I know I'm not, you know, whoever it is. Like the 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 fantasy, like how I'm getting my fix from the game is by proxy of that character. But when I play Counter Strike or even like Titanfall, which I love, like that's me. That's me piloting that robot. Hmm. You know. I guess that's it. I mean, I think it really depends where you look, because <laughs> I think you know, front of mind for me is something like Monster Hunter, where there are like you don't have a character. <laughs> well, know? it's it's the exception to the rule. I suppose. I mean, it's hard yeah. to say that when it's like the biggest game over there. I know, which is why it's so weird that it is the biggest and, thing out. There. Well, and I look <laughs> at games like The Last of Us where I think they they're so meticulous about uh like having this nuance to their characters, right, you know, right, and right. really bring them to life with these unique little traits. And that was kind of one of the things that Ninja Theory brought to uh yeah. Double May Cry is you have um this little subtle, this layer of subtlety to the characters. You know, they would try and do s- stuff with their physical mannerisms or just right. uh, their inflection. You know, I think the the guy who played <coughs> Virgil in particular was, was a very subtle actor. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. And and to that point, I think uh, once you get to, uh, it's it's never a black and white type thing. You know, so you, you can have the the Western approach of uh, filling in the trousers, and then you have the Japanese approach of the iconic characters. But all like each of those are just starting points, and you can just go into branching paths. So if you have something like DMC and Last of Us, they are, you are not filling in the trousers per se, but those characters are way more relatable than blonde guy over there wielding a huge sword mm-hmm. like it's paper, I you know? Like yeah. So, so they, they, they bring them closer to you in a sense. Interesting. Uh, Half-Life 2 mm. is, you know, they, or, or even like Portal. Like, I love Portal. It's, it's like a story about you. And mm. they're constantly addressing you in the second person. Uh, but those, that, those things that, are a lot harder. That, that leads into yeah. the next point he makes, which <laughs> is the, the he or she, I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, that uh, Japanese games are maybe a little less grounded in reality. They're willing to break the laws of physics and nature for the sake of good fantasy. I, mm-hmm. I would I would say that's a more common thing. Yeah. Uh, there tends to be this, you know, sort of emphasis on realism. Even in, you know, fantasy or sci-fi games, uh, they go for this sort of photo in the in the West. Right. They they have this sort of photorealistic visual aesthetic a lot of the time, and uh, there's always this sort of inner logic, you mm-hmm. know. Whereas uh, there's a lot, and this is not just limited to games. I think this is uh, <laughs> media in general. Um, you know, in Japan, you see things that are action that is an abstract representation of what might have actually happened. Right, you know, right. People jump 50 feet in the air. <laughs> it's just like, 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he also says more humor in Japanese games. Uh, I don't know. That may be true on average. I can't. I think that's just a that's that may be more of a market trend where uh, people want games that take themselves a little more seriously here. Yeah. Um, um, but you look, at, but like it's cool with stuff like Monster Hunter, where you wouldn't think of that as like uh, it's not a light-hearted game per se. Mm-hmm. You know, like something like Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> uh, but it has this uh, sense of humor that pops up once in a while. Yeah, I think it's uh, like uh, that that release they get once in a while, just so that you're not stuck in the stressful yeah. um, quest by quest thing. Like every time you you do the quest. And then you, you want to take on a different quest. You want to eat. So there's a little comical relief of that <laughs> eating animation. Being served or, by cats. Yeah. So I, I think stuff like that is just to to break the flow, break the seriousness a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can always count on it, which is nice. Uh, you can always skip the animation. <laughs> and he also says uh, cater, Japanese games cater well to highly skilled players. Um, I, I think this is one of the more fundamental things is i mean another way to say it because there are definitely games in the west that uh you know cater to i don't know if you say cater to highly skilled players but they they encourage you to play at a high level Mm -hmm. um but in japan i think uh games tend to prioritize what they would call game systems you know uh sort of under the hood mechanics yeah and you're more likely to find a game where uh it feels very clunky and unwelcoming until you know how to play the game, quote, correctly. You know what I mean? Like, they will yeah. demand that you play correctly. Like, there's one way to play this game. Uh, and Twiggy, uh, one of our mods, as it were, chimed in with, yeah, tend to be harder and more grindy in Japan. I definitely mm. think that there's a love of grinding in Japan that is now, I think, starting to catch on big time in the States. I don't know what's responsible for that. I think games uh, like loot, loot fest games, you know, yeah. like uh, the Fallout's and the yeah Borderlandses. Well, even Diablo and Diablo, yeah. Since, since I think way back, there's in the day, always though. been an audience for the grind here. Yeah, uh, and it, it's now really. Ca- I mean, I guess a few years ago already. Yeah, um, it, it's been catching I think, on, gaining momentum. I think maybe it depends on where you look for gaming, because Diablo's been around forever on PC. But only now I think or feel that I see it everywhere advertised for PS4 and mm. even PS3. Yeah. You know, it's the type of thing that now it's now it's bleeding into the console market as yeah. well. Something that existed a while back. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's just the tip- different types of gamers evolving in different ways. I buy it. This week we ask those of you who have finished playing DMC or DMC Definitive Edition... Here's our question. Was Virgil wrong? What do you think? Let us know in the comments. And that will see us out. Thank you guys for listening once again. And we'll see you next time.